Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Tonight, we welcome back our friend, 3MA founder, Troy Goodfellow. Hello, everyone. And joining us tonight, we've also got, back once again, freelance writer John Bolding. Howdy, howdy. And we're not talking about cardboard tonight, John. I know. I'm I'm finally getting in for some pixels. Just laying waste to that brand. Just, you've preciously built that, like, John tabletop bolding. Fuck it. Video games. That's what we're talking about tonight. When not even the people who are good at board games can find the money, I can't either. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So tonight we're going to be talking about Mode 7's Frozen Synapse 2. The long-awaited sequel to Frozen Synapse, which I think was one of the first shows I was on all the way back uh, in the early days of, of Three Moves Ahead. So this is sort of a sequel to a very deep cut in 3MA history. Um, hmm. Troy, uh, you, you may remember those days, a, a little bit at least. What, what's Frozen Synapse, and uh, what, what's, what's new in this one? Oh, God. What's new is a hard question to ask, because I barely remember the first one. Uh, but Frozen Synapse is a simultaneous turn uh, tactics game. Uh, you input your orders, and your orders are carried out, and then you're the good guys shoot the bad guys. Very straightforward. Uh, what makes it different and what makes it special is uh, and interesting is that you can play out and plan scenarios. You can test your moves uh, against you know expected AI performance and see how things will play out before you finalize a play. Like if you were playing Madden and you said, oh, I'm going to run a screen pass here. But instead of running the screen pass, you ran a bunch of simulations of the screen pass before deciding which moves you're actually going to do or do a different play altogether completely. Then you set it, it carries out, then it rolls over to the next turn. Uh, you can queue your orders uh, like a lot of tactics games. It's big on cover. It's big on getting the weapons matchup you want. It's big on uh, staying out of sight and line of sight. Um, but it is simultaneous turn. This isn't a game like Hard West or XCOM where I can move and accept, and the other guy is just standing still somewhere. You may think the enemy's in that room and you're... Your intelligence may tell you the enemy soldiers in that room, but by the time your dude gets there, he might have actually he will have moved. Uh, hopefully, um, it is uh, so. It's up to as a bunch of different single player modes, different skirmish modes. Uh, it's best uh, played, I think, as a multiplayer game. It's a lot, a huge multiplayer community, uh, at least for you know an independent strategy game. And it also has uh, this time a campaign where you have a. Uh, I guess you're a group of mercenaries, and you take out. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure so, who you are. If you're like a, if you're a syndicate style corporation, or <laughs> if you're a mercenary team, but you take out. I think it's kind of left to your imagination a little bit. Like the, the, this is definitely a world, right? That leaves a little bit of space for you to fill in gaps, and there's a lot of it, intentional it, ambiguity. It feels like it's set in a cyberpunk future, but with modern, current day weapons, and everything has the whole day glow of you know, 1980s computer displays. Uh, so it does have this, and the, you know, a bunch of different competing corporations fighting for, you know, influence and taking out contracts. Um, and you perform those missions and then you can get bigger, bigger, bigger squads and more squads and do more things and more contracts. And it's got a story that goes, apparently it's got a story. Um, I didn't get very far into the campaign. We can talk about that in a bit. But Frozen Synapse is a very colorful, uh, bright, challenging uh tactical uh simultaneous turn game that i'm a fan of even though i'm very very bad at it yeah i can't help but feel similarly (laughs) at least at first i felt like oh god there's no way i'm ever gonna get the hang of this game yeah it's a it's a game that punishes small miscalculations very severely right like i think its ethos is very much like it's the top-down perspective, but in terms of the type of combat it's modeling, it's very early Rainbow Six, for instance, right? It's, you know, one shot, one kill. Um, and so there's not much room for error, right? Like, if you do not perfectly coordinate, for instance, like, going in through a door, right? Entering a building. A tricky, tense moment in, like, any sort of tactical first-person shooter. Uh, it is very tense in 
frozen synapse because it means you have to coordinate this really intricate series of moves and timings for a team to enter a building safely and covering uh, what you're going to find on the other side of the door. And that's when you know uh, what's going to be on the other side of that door. Um, And if you get that stuff a little bit wrong, and there's a lot of ways for it to get wrong, for instance, like a simple one is when one of your characters spots another an enemy, should they slow down and start shooting? Should they stop dead in their tracks and take dead aim and then fire? Should they just ignore, not even slow down to shoot, and just keep moving? Uh, those like postures can be the difference between life and death, right? Between a successful move and not. And you're going to be sort of dealing with that minutia as you set up the uh, almost like you know, football style plays uh, for your teams to run each turn. And you're going to have to dig into that stuff a lot and make a lot of guesses about what's going to happen. And yes, the game gives you tools to do that. But nevertheless, I think you're going to be surprised a fair bit. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of this game is getting caught off guard, I think. Um, and getting surprised by the AI's reaction. Like you can have a really good idea of what you think the enemy is going to do. And you can sort of have literally like plan out their precise minutia of their actions versus your own and be like, yeah, this is what they're going to do. This is what they've been setting up to do. I'm sure of it. Um, And other players will always surprise you, but the AI will just do the strangest stuff. Sometimes it will whip around, change directions. It doesn't, it actually acts human in many ways, right? Like it sort of sees what you're trying to do and often attempts to counter it. Um, especially in those situations, like, like going through a door, right? You, you're sure that, Oh yeah. Okay. This first guy, I'm just going to have him run as fast as he can. And I'm going to have him just go to the other side of the room and then whip around and maybe start shooting. The other guys are going to come through and they're going to be more tactical and they're going to have their weapons pointed in the right direction. All those kinds of little things that, they're they're predictable the game has no rng as far as i can tell it literally just has like a time to kill based on the direction the unit is facing and whether the enemy's behind cover and whether you're behind cover and what stance you're in but there's no percent chance to have miss or hit when when a unit fires it's literally just how quickly they were able to get the enemy in their sights yeah, and you get like you get a feel for these things. Like, so the sniper is an unusual unit in that you will see the little uh, targeting laser extend out, but they still need common sniper units. It's a long setup time for the shot, and so if anyone breaks line of sight in that time, uh, the sniper is basically going to have to reset and they're not going to get the shot off. But if you are in exposed ground in front of a sniper. They're going to shoot, and your unit is going to die. That's just what's going to happen. If it's like a dude with an assault rifle, you get a sense for, like, at this range, it's going to take six shots before that character zeroes in and delivers the kill shot. That's just, that's what's going to happen. Uh, If you're maybe a little bit closer and set up in, and they were were posted up in a better facing, they had their little... um, aiming reticule that you can sort of set for where to expect the enemy to come into if they roughly anticipated where you'd be uh they're going to deliver that kill shot very very quickly and that's sort of the that that's where the variability sort of comes in from uh it's a very good way to put it it's not it's not random but it is a system that generates a lot of a, a lot of variability um and I think on that front, like this is all stuff that's going to be pretty familiar from Frozen Synapse 1. Uh, and it's been a long time since I played that game, but in terms of how has the basic tactical game changed, uh, I'm not sure it, it has changed all that much. Like, I think maybe there's a couple new unit types. Uh, I don't remember there being like, you know, gas grenades and a lot of like area denial weapons uh, th- th- that there are in this game. Uh, but nevertheless, this is recognizably like it's it, it's more of that tactics game, which is a good thing. I think so too. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a game that I mean, it's certain modes play to certain strengths. I mean, I like to camp. I'm a slow mover, um, but there are missions where 
the enemy and the AI is very aggressive, which actually helps my camping stage. I'll just pluck my assault rams down, set up a kill zone, try to get them to come out after me. That's great. But if the enemy is hunkered down in a secure building, I have to open up that building first, which might mean exposing myself to God knows what once I trigger, which means I have to go up to their doors, uh, get into their little unlock zone, and then God knows what hell is waiting for me uh, once the enemy is exposed to me uh, and can see me. So it's all about, you know, okay, do I take this head on and have... Um, a guy behind my door on locker? Do I creep from the side? Where are the windows? How far is it to get there? How much crap is in front? I mean, it is a it is a game of this is a game that's really it, it is a map based tactical game like all good tactical map games are. Um, and you know, if, if I were a more aggressive player, the games would probably the match would probably go a lot more quickly. Uh, but I'm a slow mover, uh, and I think that the interface doesn't help a whole lot with that. I find myself having to, you know drag the waypoint reticule um, a lot and redo orders because they end up backtracking because I dragged the wrong button or something and it's be nice if the lines were a little bit clearer uh, at times. Uh, but I, I do like how uh, it, it embraces a lot of different tactical styles, um, but especially when you do get to the more advanced weapons, when you do get to the... Uh, the grenades and the rocket launchers. Do I just blow this place up? It's, it's a very original XCOM feel to it. Maybe I'll just blow a wall, a hole in the wall, and that'll solve my problem. Um, which happened a lot in XCOM, and it's fun to do uh, in Frozen Synapse too. It is incredibly entertaining, actually. I, th- I think the rocket launcher is one of my favorite things about this game. Uh, the, and I love this in like the recent original XCOM reboots like Xenonauts is just the ability to be like, well, the doors are here, here, and here, but none of those doors are convenient. I mean, it's a, it's a good... Ge- geography is hard. What if it was easier? Here's a rocket launcher. Yeah, it, it's very satisfying to just make your own hole and, and send a unit through there. Yeah, and there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of interesting ways to solve that problem. Like, yes, you can do the grenade launch, the, uh, the send the high explosives in. Uh, it's also cool to, like, when you slowly start like having your squads moving around and like start peering in all the windows just to get the sight lines and you start like being able to slowly whittle away at somebody who's trying to like camp a building uh is is really cool um and being on the other side of that is incredibly satisfying there's a one of the early story missions in the campaign has you defending like a laboratory and against sort of successive waves of attackers with varied weaponry um and shuffling your units around inside that building to cover the various entrances as the enemy tries to find a way in is really satisfying like that that was one of the most enjoyable times i had playing frozen synapse 2 was just like finding the precise positionings required to beat the enemy in an almost tower defense like situation right yeah the campaign I think generates some really interesting scenarios. And and I think for me, and might as well get into, get into it here. Mm-hmm. I think fundamentally I like this campaign in part because I'm also kind of amazed the campaign works at all. Like this is a game that seemed when I saw it ages ago at PAX East, uh, as I was sort of following its development, it always seemed like one of those things that, maybe they shouldn't be doing this. Uh, Like, what the game takes place in is a giant, like, procedurally generated cyberpunk city. And it has certain, like, recurring neighborhoods. There's certain themes. And the the, the exact layout, I don't think, matters particularly much, uh, except insofar as sometimes transit times are going to become an issue, and, and that's something you need to think about. But within that city, there's a bunch of other factions, a bit like you, that are pursuing their own agendas, are sending their own squads out. All of this is taking place in like a pausable, continuous time uh, system. So you you know you can pause and freeze time, but when you're running the clock, people are out there running missions, um, setting up roadblocks, ambushing rival faction squads. And you're sort of positioned as this uh, 
paramilitary force in the middle of all this. Like there is a crisis effect affecting the city. This uh, rogue AI construct uh, called Sonata keeps attacking the city in these really like spectacularly violent uh, assaults with uh, you know with, with tactical teams, and you've sort of been called in to check this problem because none of the other factions trust each other, but also they don't really like you. Like each of these factions is also like pretty happy to pursue its own agenda in in the middle of all this. And they will try to like rope you into working for them. If you decline, they'll cut your funding. And this isn't like XCOM funding cuts where like it takes a long time before you feel the pinch and you have to like fail a few times. This is, Someone will come come to you with a ridiculous request. Uh, the university faction has protesters outside my bank. Could you wipe them out, please? And my answer is going to be like, no, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm not going to send a goon squad uh, out to clear out protesters in front of your bank. That's just not what I'm here to do. And immediately they will like take money out of your pocket. And early in the game, that hurts. Mm. Like you, you refuse that contract and immediately they're like, well, screw you. And they basically will like take out the equivalent of like half, half a, half a soldier right. salary. And that's, that means that suddenly you can't afford to hire a new uh, tactical team member. Yeah. Um, I, I think I have a very different opinion about this campaign than Rob does. Um, where Rob yeah. said he can't believe it works, I sort of res- like my gut is I can't believe that anyone thinks this works. Um, mm-hmm. but I think I think I, we can have a more detailed discussion about that in a moment. Um, the economy is really fascinating to me. It's like rate based, right? Like it's you you think it's going to be some sort of continuous like it's uh, it's taking money out of your pocket and like you're spending money and then every month you're going to spend money for upkeep or anything like that, but it's not, it's all flat. Like everything is a one-time fee or a one-time income. Um, and it's, I, how did how did you all get along with that? I found it very strange. Like it's really counterintuitive because I expected it to be like XCOM or something where like, okay, all these things you have cost money every month. Um, but it's not, it's more like a balance sheet. Yeah, I never got. Yeah, I never I think, got a firm grasp on, on the economy. <laughs> I ended up, you know, going losing. I didn't get very far into the campaign because I did not enjoy the story stuff. I thought it was kind of the. I mean, I, I, there's an option to play the campaign without the story, so maybe I'll try doing that. And I was sitting through all of these static images and talking about Sonata, who was apparently a computer with human minions. I mean, just called Skynet, I guess. Um, so the economy, I, it, it can be very crippling early on. And if you're not good at the game, which I'm not, uh, the campaign can knock you out very, very early. And, you know, you can restart it and it's, you know, even... And then sometimes you'll do something stupid. Like, I said, oh, for fun, I'm sucking at this game. I'll send my strike team to attack. This is, like, very, very... Like, in the first the 40 minutes of the game, I figure, I'm going to go and I'm going to take attack one of the other factions headquarters. Just for fun, see how hard this would be. They were a pushover. It was ridiculous. I lost a pistol, and my assault at strike team of three guys, two assault rifles and a pistol. I lost the pistol. Who's this? The, the, the cheap scout sent forward. Uh, they died very, very late in the mission. But they were a pushover. It's like, wow, guys, no, no wonder you can't take on say I because you got a bunch of jokers defending your headquarters. This is ridiculous. Uh, so that kind of took me out of the world in a bit, but little of the world building there was, that foolish action of mine kind of took me out of it. Um, so No, I, I don't disagree. I did much the same thing and was kind of amazed by it early on in the game. Um, but, I mean, it's, again, the, the economy, it's, it's, you know, there, there are bounties you collect uh, if you fulfill a mission. Um, but you've got to collect the bounties, and there are relics that you pick up, and the relics do stuff, I guess. Yeah, there's things you collect uh, to win the game, like X number of the uh, these relics, this thing that the, the artificial intelligence you're supposed to be stopping wants, right? Um, whoever gets seven of them first wins, right? Sort of how 
the overall campaign game works. Right. Yeah, so there's a lot that this game does not do a great job of explaining. I think the economy is one of those. Like, uh, I ended up buying a building because I assumed that, like, how do I make money in this game? Like, you can't literally just be all doing like you can do delivery runs basically you can basically like become fiverr but with guns um and you can do that but i figured there has to be a way to be a capitalist in this world like surely there's a way to control sources of wealth and so i bought a building uh i guess i went the jared kushner route i was like i'm gonna buy a big ass uh office building skyscraper and i'm sure that the rents that will come in uh, are going to make me a little bit less dependent on other factions. Turns out that doesn't give you money. Uh, it, it does give you like a forward operating base. Uh, it does sort of uh, give you the possibility of allies sort of showing up in, in your area if you're, if you're operating out by that building. But it doesn't give you money. Um, predominantly, the, the, the way you're going to get money is to... Uh, carry out these runs. It's going to be to collect bonds. Um, it it also is, and also you're going to uh, get some money, uh, you know, via the relics. But the game doesn't make a lot of this super clear up front, um, and it's not a particularly it's it's not a very complicated system. It's just a, it's just a little bit opaque. Yeah. And, and I think it's kind of a consistent problem in the campaign. Yeah, and, and there's no documentation. Yeah, so I, I think a, a little more explanation would work. I think this is a theme that I'm going to be coming back to in this. There's a lot of areas in which it feels like Frozen Synapse is in a place where it broadly works. It badly needs a lot of like quality of life and usability like improvements um, and a little more explanation and maybe tutorialization those just aren't fully present in the game and you can get by without it, but it definitely feels like something that, um, it, it, I want to be clear. I'm not saying it feels rushed out the door. It just feels like it is hit a state where it's working well enough. And that and it like and at that point it almost has to be like left untouched is almost how it feels because there are so many places where this thing feels like it's about to maybe fall apart um and i think like for instance the procedural maps it generates even uh like you will you will have strange strange layouts uh pop up because of this and sometimes it even feels a little bit like what you're seeing on the uh, on the screen doesn't fully match the underlying reality like sometimes this weird line of sight blockages or it just feels like things are just a little bit off from where they're being represented it's a it's a little tough to parse uh by and large it works but there's a lot of points where you sort of look at the map and and you sort of and it, and it just sort of feels a little bit off or it looks a little bit like oh yeah the the cpu definitely like built this set because this parking lot makes no sense for how it's situated to the road or the building. The building itself makes no sense, right? Like what sort of office building has like a row of outhouses and executive offices like built in the middle, like in a detached building apart from the executive, apart from the main building. Right. What like that doesn't make sense, but you'll encounter weird layouts like that. Yeah, I don't worry too much about that kind of realism because I figure in this future cyber yeah. world, who knows what architectural designs have caught on. Also, you know, maybe just sort of plumbing's gone out and you just sort of make sure that's isolated from the rest of the building. You don't know. Yeah, I mean, there could be a perfectly good in-fiction explanation. But it's funny, like, I think for me, like, I didn't expect this game to work at all, but like, I've had some really good, like I've taken contracts to go like protect a building for six hours or, or something. And I'll go and I'll set a squad up at the building. And then there's a, 
uh, Sonata incursion somewhere else. And the minute I move off to go deal with the incursion, somebody else's strike team rolls in, hits the building, and I failed the contract, and the people are pissed at me. And it fe- like that happens consistently enough that it feels like, oh, sometimes the AI will wait you out. Uh, sometimes like there's a squad parked nearby just kind of waiting for you to eventually like move so they can get their job done. Uh, which is, it's, and I think that stuff is really, really mm-hmm. cool. It really gives this weird feel. Like you'll, you'll sit there and you'll, you'll watch you, the clock will run and you will see these different strike teams sort of moving on each other and the factions sort of skirmishing with each other. Uh, and when you interact with that stuff, it feels roughly like it's actually working. You'll even get a phone call afterwards. Uh, if you stumble into a gunfight with another faction, you might get a call from the faction leader later. Uh, being like, look, we didn't know, we didn't anticipate uh, that we were going to run into you there. Uh, and obviously, you know, you dealt us a, a pretty heavy blow. Uh, and hopefully we can get back on good terms and we'll avoid such incidents in the future. It happens often enough, they'll, they'll eventually, like, want to come for your head. But there is this sense that the game delivers on often enough that, like, the AI and the way the diplomatic system is set up uh, or the messaging system is set up, it does a decent job of faking like actual consistency of like world building and intent, which is which is wild. This is gonna this is gonna sound this is gonna sound weird, but that reminded me that whole series reminded me very much of, of Sid Meier's Pirates, where you know you could take it a few Spanish galleons and say, okay, as long as you focus on the Dutch, we'll ignore this, but you keep going after their gold, and they're gonna be kind of pissed off. Uh, so it's a very simple diplomatic system, but it is intuitive, and it's got enough personality to it. And the, var- the variety, and the fact that you know, yeah, the, you might just bump into someone else, not target them, and end up in a, in a gunfight. That happens in the old Cyber West, um, and it, it does give a nice feeling of a sort of a living world when you're engaging. But in the, in the few moments when I could actually feel engaged in this odd little space, it was the moments like that where. The, the missions and the, I mean, the, the story stuff I kind of ignored, but even though the story is still have to, I guess, work with the factions, because that's the whole point. Um, the procedural stuff, cool things happened almost in spite of the campaign's design, but maybe it's because of the campaign's design. Who knows? I mean, I guess this is the difference between where, John, you say it doesn't work and Rob says it does, is, you know, what is the expectation of behavior, I guess? Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I I like how it behaves, and I definitely agree that it has the semblance of life very much, actually, in that Sid Meier's Pirates kind of way, um, where it looks alive, even if it isn't really alive. Um, I found little details lacking. Things like just the basic dialogue when you're talking to a faction doesn't hang together well for me. You get the same five messages over and over, no matter who's talking to you. They don't have that much of an individual personality. Um, it feels like, uh, they'll also like get furious at you. And then because you've blown up their building or whatever, or stopped their group from robbing a bank, who knows? Um, and then immediately afterwards go to a generic dialogue, like good day. How can I help you? Um, just the, those small things really didn't hang together very well for me. Uh, and other stuff inside the simulation didn't make a lot of sense. Like in mine, I was like, yeah, okay, fuck it. I'm just going to start blowing things up. Um, I'm just going to become a, a horrifying mafia of, of violence. Um, and I did that and like the city hated me, but I just kept getting story missions from them and they kept cooperating with me. Right. Like little things like that just were strange. Right. I could sort of purposefully go in and break stuff and there was no check on it. Um, my status with the city was like hated, but the city government guy who gave me my job kept showing up to give me my directions every mission. It's interesting. I think this is, I think Austin and I ended up playing a very similar way, and I was sort of guided in that because Austin got to it before I did, uh, which is that I tried to play along, like, I tried to play along with the procedural game master, right? Like, it didn't really occur to me to just go straight after another faction's. Uh, head early on because we hadn't really done anything to each other yet. We had we weren't really opponents yet. I didn't know what they were about. I needed to let things unfold and see what happened. And so by the time like 
I went after uh, like the head of blue sunlight. They had a like their headquarters was defended by a freaking army. Um, and I was not tooled up to, to get through it. And I just got, I, I got smoked. I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't win that fight. Uh, I saw, uh, I spent an evening sort of watching over Austin's shoulders. He, you know, he had a similar sort of scenario, except he kind of brute forced his way through, uh, basically taking on a massive headquarters full of troops with, uh, like it had to have been like a platoon versus a fire team in terms of just number of soldiers on the ground. Uh, and it felt suitably epic. Like that felt like in both those cases, it was like, yeah, you know, this is kind of the, um, matrix ask or cowboy bebop ask like assault on the enemy citadel should feel uh and later in the campaign it seems like the game is set up to deliver that it never occurred to me to like try to bum rush them early um where apparently they're they're maybe just not set up to do that and then i don't think the game has great answers for what happens after that right like if you kill an enemy faction leader uh basically the game has an option where I think you can either just like basically kill them and end all story missions involving them uh, moving forward, or you can let them go, but they're like dead as a faction, but they'll still play the role they would otherwise play in the story, which doesn't feel entirely like it's not entirely a satisfying answer to that because what you'd really love to see is the game figure out a way to move on from that and like spin its fiction off in a different direction in a world where like, Oh yeah. Uh, you know, the safeguard faction got exterminated early uh, and safeguard is like the, uh, the private military company uh, that, you know, a Blackwater esque uh, organization roving through the city. It would be cool to see a version of the story where, Oh yeah, those guys got wiped out and here's how that power vacuum was filled. This game doesn't really have an idea for for what that game looks like, and its solutions are to, as far as I can tell, kind of pretend that didn't happen. Yeah, at least as far as like the narrative pre-built story elements go, uh, just sort of like, okay, yeah, you wiped them out. They're just not on the map anymore. Moving on. Let's see if someone takes their stuff maybe no one will maybe someone will maybe you will like and that that's enjoyable and i i like that part of this game but at the same time uh if you're expecting something deep and interesting and dynamic to happen it's it's not there yeah i was i was a i was definitely a pains to play along and i i did feel like the game largely rewarded me uh for that but it was definitely a situation where I was very respectful for the limitations I was starting to sense that surrounded that campaign. And I started trying to just keep the, uh, keep the ball rolling as it were, you know, don't, right. don't kill anybody, but like play at the politics, take contracts and sort of play the power broker within the city. Who are you favoring today? Who are you attacking? Uh, but don't try to tip it over because the, the machine isn't really that robust. Um, but within those constraints, I had a, a, a pretty, a pretty damn good time. And also I, I think the, um, I think the game does a good job of sort of selling <sighs> its violence, I guess is the way I'd put it. Like one of the things that distinguishes Sonata uh, from a lot of the other factions is Sonata, when it launches an attack, its strike teams are trying to rack up kills. Like it is every mission with them is no Russian from Call of Duty 2, or uh, Modern Warfare 2. Yeah, they just start shooting random civilians in the street and things like that. Yeah, and it's it's, it's quite weird. affecting. It, yeah, it's an abstract game, but the violence was kind of appalling in a way that like it's weird to be complimentary about this, but like without any sort of gore, with a very abstract game, there's something deeply unsettling about the way combat unfolds, particularly when there are civilians in the crossfire. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, 
And there's a real difference between those Sonata fights and a fight with another faction where like, yeah, the civilians kind of scatter, they get out of the way, no one shoots at the civilians, whereas the Sonata guys will like casually pick off a couple civilians as they move from point A to point B. Yeah, and you'll see things like, you know, you'll arrive at a place and they'll say like Sonata's attacking a you know an office building or something. You may not be able to get in there in time to save many people. And what that means is you're probably not going to get in there in time to save anyone uh, if you're being yeah. careful. And so you have this awful, uh, you'll have these awful moments where your team is still like proceeding cautiously and stacking up outside and starting to advance on the windows. And meanwhile, every turn is just like absolute carnage uh, inside and it's all shots flying everywhere. People, people running, you don't hear any screaming, but you can, you can imagine it. Um, and I think that also extends to like when you start running into really heavy firefights with enemy uh, squads, even if there's not a ton of like civilians around. Um, again, like things get pretty hectic. Like when you've got grenade launchers and smoke rounds popping off, uh, flamethrowers uh, being like ignited and just like clearing an entire room uh, within a second and creating this like cone of death in front of them. Uh, this game does a good job of like creating a pretty hairy looking tactical landscape. Did you uh did you find much use for flamethrowers? No. <laughs> like okay. I did. I so there were a couple times where like I was really glad I had them. Um the problem I had is that their range is so short. Their their range is so short. That getting them into a position where I knew they'd be useful was really, really tricky, and I tended not to invest in them and bring them along. Um, so I tended not to use those guys a ton. I used, like, uh, grenadiers tons. I used smoke rounds uh, tons. But flamethrower, and I feel like this is probably where the flamethrower's weapon should be, I had a handful of really memorable and satisfying uses of a flamethrower. Just, just the one though. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, never, I never ran the like all flamethrower, like Harlem Globetrotters, <laughs> uh, lineup. Of, like, I mean, who, that, who that makes win? me want to try that. Yeah. <laughs> Which I did. I was like, I, I did do gimmicky things like that in multi, in the multiplayer. Right. We're just like, you know what? How about six flamethrowers? Let's, let's see what it goes down. Um, which can be satisfying, but, uh, yeah, I found that I, I liked the increased unit variety over the first game in theory, but the truth was, the majority of them just weren't useful in an actual fight. Okay. Um, like I, I found the sniper useful and I found the, the gas grenade was, it's pretty yeah. cool. Right. Um, but like the pistol and the knife. Yeah. Just, there's not really any oh, yeah, those compelling are literally to, useless to ever use those. Yeah. No, um, the pistol is like basically like Paul Blart, like that, like literally that is the rent a cop unit. Um, might as well not be there. Uh, which, and I don't, th- I don't, I don't think that unit is primarily there for you to use. I think it's primarily there to like have tactical teams set loose on it. Okay, I mean, I did, I did have like uh, a group of pistol guys at one point that was like running errands, like doing doing deliveries from point to point around the city to try and get some income. Um, at at one point during the campaign, so I guess I guess they do have some use. They're, they're uh, not. I, I use them early in the game, uh, just as scouts. They're they're they're, okay. they're 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 cheap. Uh, they can get in close. They can get a sense where the enemy is. Uh, so I'll send them ahead. Um, but yeah, once you have enough money to afford real guns, there's no point having a pistol in your in your in your tac- tactical teams. But early on, I, they're it's a cheap gun. You know, they right. might get a, yeah. might get a couple. They might get one kill. They might get zero kills. Uh, but they can at least advance uh, your your line of sight was the um was the like scoped rifle i think it is uh in the first game i don't remember it but it's not a sniper it's not the long-range sniper it's somebody basically set up with like a carbine rifle or something and maybe like uh low power optics on the gun and boy did that thing turn out to be my freaking swiss army knife uh in that game like it 
it fires a little faster than the sniper, uh, as you might expect. Like it's it's not it's not somebody setting up there like to you know dropping blades of grass, measuring wind speed uh, from a mile out. Like it's somebody uh, up close, like taking a measured shot, but it dominated things like traversing open ground, uh, you know, across a parking lot to a building. It was so freaking. Yeah, it's so dominant at mid range. Uh, I feel like once I once I got my hands on it, I really wanted to replace all my assault rifles pretty quickly. Um, I really I did really enjoy. And one of the things I think is very strong about this game for all that I'm down about the meta mechanics and the campaign of it. The actual combat is fun. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes me want to play it a lot. The interplay of just like a basic handful of weapons like shotgun versus sniper versus assault rifle versus SMG versus scope rifle. When do I want these different weapons? At what distances are they best against each other? Like, oh, my assault rifle will win if I can just make sure I'm these like three meters further away from this guy with the SMG versus the guy with the SMG is like, oh, I need to just be a little bit closer, but not too close because if I'm too close that guy with the shotgun will get me before i can get both of them um those tiny little interplays and they they play out on a lot of these maps in such small spaces with such tiny tolerances that it really does make all those super detailed tactical planning tools feel worth it feel like they are adding something to the game because you can really care about those like two meters of distance that mean the difference between life and death for some of your units that's where i think this game absolutely shines and makes me want to play it more. So why haven't we multiplayed against each other yet? I think that's a very good question. It's why Black Widow doesn't Probably. try to pick up the hammer in Avengers 2. Okay. Do, do we really want to know? Do you want that answer? Eh, I, I, I kind of do. The... The multiplayer is so freaking tense in this game, because they're like, there's... Uh, a lot more like use of fog of war than you'll find in the campaign. The campaign is very generous with like satellite imaging that lets you see where everyone's going. The multiplayer right. sort of by default, you're in the uh, blacked out fog of war mode. And it means that going from the campaign to that, like basically becoming like tactically blind uh, is just utterly harrowing. Cause you got basically your last known position pips uh, that pop up. And then you'll see like little flickers of like you'll catch a fleeting glimpse through a window of somebody like sweeping through a room. But are they going to continue that motion on their next turn? Like, can you can you sort of head them off with a grenade or you saw them? They also saw you. Are they going to like turn around, come back to that window and start drawing a bead on you? And that game of positioning and anticipation and intuition is so engaging but scary as hell yeah it absolutely is so like my first um simultaneous tactics game was laser squad nemesis um which has a lot of its own things going on right it's a sci-fi game so there's lots of like weird interactions and it's got like kind of a hit point system which is so different than the one shot to death uh mechanic that this game uses um but the incredible tenseness of seeing an unexpected unit emerge from the fog of war while Mm -hmm. you're playing out what happened over the turn is so good right like the pit just like your stomach turns into a pit right the bottom falls out and you're like oh shit or you get the satisfying moment where you know the enemy does not see you coming right and you slide a unit around their side and surprise them and that is it's just so good like especially when you get one of the really great units like the shotgun in yep. surprise very close someone comes around the corner into a unit they didn't know was there um watching that play out is so satisfying yeah the um i love the how the hell did that person get killed uh game you sometimes end up playing right where you just watch like <laughs> like sometimes things happen so fast that you'll watch a replay like five or six times before you realize like, no man, it wasn't, it wasn't the scoped rifle guy across the, uh, across the street picking that guy off. It was actually, uh, that lonely pistolier 
uh, finally like rounding the corner and getting just one shot off uh, before getting blown away. Uh, like there are so many moments that unfold that fast. Um, and again, like yeah. for a turn-based game, it still communicates like speed and violence. Like, man, an SMG guy getting in behind a bunch of guys in a building in the same room with them is just a sight to behold. Uh, it's just utter madness. And this, but it's also utter madness that happens in the space of like two seconds, like, one second, one like on the at the end of the previous turn, there was an enemy squad setting up to to open fire and like defend their position, and literally like blink of an eye into the next turn, all those guys are dead. Yep, yeah, uh, and that that stuff's great, especially in multiplayer when you know that someone on the other end is either very angry or you yourself are very angry. <laughs> I also dig the music; it's very nice. Uh, I did love the music. It was it. It had definitely has the twenty four seven lo fi beats to study to <laughs> vibe going on in a great way that I really like. Yeah, uh, it's uh, uh, Paul Kildiff Taylor's uh, music, and I mean these their games always have pretty good uh, electronic music because you know he's he's also a composer of this type of music. Uh, the Frozen Cortex uh, soundtrack was good, but. This is a particularly strong example, and it makes it... It is a perfect accompaniment for the weird energy of a Frozen Synapse game, right? Something that is deeply cerebral, but also, like, kind of, like, quite tense and fast-paced. It's a, it's, it's, it's a cool, like, uh, aesthetic needle they've threaded here. Yeah, I agree. And I like I like the the overall vibe of the game. I think the aesthetic is very strong. I like the neon colors and the glow and the sense that like when you're playing the game and maybe did either of you get this? Do you get the sense that you're not entirely human? Oh yeah, right? no way. You the character? Yeah, you're definitely like some kind of an AI, right? I feel like that might be something I'm remembering from the first yeah, game at the this game, point. But. So the the weird thing, it sort of seems like in the fiction of this game. Uh, there's definitely like an element of the boundaries between the real world and uh, the digital world are starting to break down. Uh, that there are that there are weird like projections from one realm into the next. Like meta, like metaphysically, this is a strange freaking world, and your role as a player, I think, is somewhere in that borderland uh, state, right between like not fully human. Uh, not fully of this world, but mostly uh, enough to get the job done for us. Yeah, like anything can be hacked for sure, right? Like a person's brain is definitely available oh, to yeah. take over. Well, your soldiers um, are VAT forms. Yes, and I love that. I love that about like the soldiery, right? Like you've, you're hiring these mercenaries, and yeah, if you lose a mercenary in combat, it's not really that bad. Just roll the squad back to base, and in three, like literally three hours, like they'll print them a new body and just yeah. sort of stick them back out there. And I, that's really fun. Right. I, I really like um, the twist of this kind of game where I don't have to worry about losing my soldiers in, in that sort of extremely intense roguelike but way. But it still leaves you room to get just totally screwed by timing. Like, yeah, it's not like you have to restart the campaign. It's not like, Oh no, I lost all that XP and now I've got a crap rifleman who's going to replace the old one. But you do have that mission where it's like, Oh no, my my scoped rifle guy is dead at the moment. We're growing him a new body. We got to go on this next mission without him. And you load in, and it's like traverse this like seventy yard parking lot to this building with like three perfect windows looking out into it. And it's like, man, okay, I guess we'll see what we can do in this situation without a long range shooter. <laughs> right. Which is the other? Which is something else I like is that this is a game that um puts you in improvisational mindsets a lot. Like I think XCOM, for instance, is a game that sometimes has trouble pushing you off your standard operating procedure. Uh, it's very easy to go back to the hits again and again in a game like XCOM. Uh, this is a game where because of what you're up against, and then the vagaries of what sometimes you're able to bring to the battlefield. There's a lot of situations where you're just like in these weird asymmetric matchups trying to make the best of it. And, you know, 
you're up against two guys with rocket launchers and all you got is SMGs. Uh, how are you going to right. how are you going to handle that? And you find a way, and that's really satisfying. Run. Yeah, and you I, I liked running. that a lot at first. Um, though the more I played, the more frustrated I became that um, I I don't love the missions where you're like, all right, I've got my six guys and the enemy has 15, 20 soldiers to kill, 30 soldiers to kill, right? Like that can be really frustrating. And I found it very frustrating. It was like, can I, can I really just not bring six more guys? They're literally right down the street at that blockade. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, do you want to put in the orders for 10 or 15 units? I don't. I a little bit do actually, like I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to take this to a, a larger scale, but to be fair, that might actually be a level of complication that's not fun. I mean, I mean, I think there's a reason that you know I prefer uh, close combat to Steel Panthers. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, I think that yeah, sure. maybe six is too small, maybe ten is a good max. But when you get to, but even but when you get to, I can see that some some of the maps do take a long time. Especially if you're a careful player and you're moving from cover to cover, uh, you're under fire constantly. I, I think this, it has to be a small squad game. Now, if maybe they shouldn't have you taking out, you know, f- taking on thirty people. But if you're taking on a fortress and it's a large mission, I mean, you're a mercenary team. You, you, you're the A team. If the A team can't take out, you know, sixty goons with shotguns. You know, yeah, they're not the yeah, badass mercenaries they should that. be that cyberpunk uh sort of shadow run thing going on where it's like no you if you're if your six badasses can't beat um five times their number then they don't deserve to be called badasses and in some way it helps the ai cover its deficiencies the ai is is usually very aggressive it will often, it, is. it will it will move out of cover we talked about it you know moving back and forth i don't think that's necessarily it reacting to player movements i think that's just the ai not knowing which door to go out um, yeah, it's. I think it's. I mean, that's why I think it's. I still think tactical combat is a lot of fun, and most times it's very rewarding. And a lot of time, the AI can be surprising and interesting. But especially if there's a lot of units on the map, or in more complicated maps, uh, the AI will often, you know, to go. It'll it'll run to the noise, and you know, go to the sound of the cannons and get yourself shot. Uh, which is kind of the feeling I get a lot of the time. It, it often will expose itself a bit too soon. And not always. Uh, in you know, an early mission, I had, you know, the AI, it's just a very simple to take. They've, they're in this location. You've got to go and take them out. So it's lots of civilians there. So you go in and, you know, the one of the AI gunners just ran towards a back room and stuck himself there with his gun in the door, waiting for my guys to come in. And the smart thing would be to just stand there and just wait it out. Uh, but then if you wait long enough, the eye will make a move. It can't, it will not just sit and it will turn its back and then you can shoot it. Um, so it's got some situational awareness, but just enough stupidity to be too aggressive or to just say, well, this isn't working or to not recognize when a plan is working. I'm not charging the door. That doesn't mean their plan is not working. It means their plan is working. But they will think it isn't, so right. it will you know revert to something sillier, like charging towards the guns. Um, so it, I, at some point, so I, so some of the things the over the the ten, the two to one, three to one advantages are there to help cover for AI that will maybe it's designed to in the campaign because you are the super badasses, uh, but sometimes it has this problem also in skirmish, although the teams are smaller. It's designed to cover uh, its own weakness. Um, there are places again, like the feeling that sometimes the game is only barely holding together. Like sometimes the AI literally seems to forget units. Uh, just like I had one where it just never moved its rocket launcher into a position to fire. It just like its entire team moved as a team, assaulted a building, got ruined. Their rocket launcher never moved from its starting location. It it like yeah. walked around in circles a couple times, but it never actually did anything. And like. 
it was a situation where rocket launcher probably would have been a good way to lead off that assault and like it just didn't move it and i've seen stuff like that a few times not always with and i can't pin it down to oh the ai struggles with rocket launchers no it doesn't it's pretty effective at using them actually oh very but yeah sometimes it forgets a unit you don't know which one somebody had to be on sentry duty that day and he drew the short straw yeah they let him keep the gun well it's his gun yeah. And it's it's a well-known fact that in this world, your gun is glued to your hands. No, your vat um, forms. You just come out with the gun. Yeah, you're yeah. just going to pop out with a gun stuck to yourself. Like the poor smoke grenade guy. feel very bad for the smoke grenade guy. Yeah. He does not have a gun. Not popular. He has a smoke grenade launcher. Yeah. That's it. That's all he can do. You can't even, I don't know, shoot someone in the face with a smoke grenade. That's just not an option. Um, So where are we at with this game? Uh, I, I, I think... I might be the highest on this game, so I'm, I'm curious where, where you all have come down uh, with with this. I think, in general, it's a very good tactical game. I think it's, I mean, it's, maybe it doesn't, maybe it's largely an iteration on the first one, I would think, and it's, actually, and it's excellent, but it's an excellent iteration on an excellent game. Um, I don't think the campaign holds up very well, but like I said, I haven't gone very far in it. Maybe I'll try it with the story stuff off and see if I dig it a little bit more. But I really do enjoy sneaking around, trying to find uh, optimal routes. I like testing things out. It's a great game for experimentation. I think you know the, it teaches you patience. Uh, it's a game for patient people, I think, more than impulsive people. Yeah, um, which absolutely, which is you know great. That's the kind of gamer that I am, kind of player that I am. So I I really I have some misgivings over about the AI and about the campaign stuff, but in general. I'm quite high on uh, Frozen Synapse 2. Yeah, I think I'm a, I'm, I'm a little more down on it than the two of you. I wouldn't recommend it to someone looking for a good single-player campaign experience. You might have some fun with it, but I don't think it's the strongest part of the game. Um, if you're interested in playing the multiplayer, then absolutely go for it. And of course, if, like, if real-time tactics and simultaneous resolution are your thing, um, this is the only game in town. Like This is the game to play. And if you've never played a simultaneous resolution game, I don't think this is a bad place to start. Go for it. You'll pr- you'll probably have a lot of fun if that sounds like something you'd like. Yeah, I think um, I I broadly agree with that stuff. I just think the campaign is more rewarding than than I, I found it more rewarding than than y'all did. And so for me, it's it's more of a like buyer beware. It's pretty rough in places, but also it's a pretty cool cyberpunk tactics campaign that, again, throws up a lot of weird and cool and goofy challenges uh, that I was not expecting and hangs together a little more coherently than than certainly I expected. Um, and, and so I, I've pretty thoroughly enjoyed my time with it. Uh, but even if that ends up sort of disappointing you. Uh, the multiplayer will not steer you wrong. And there are a lot of people playing multiplayer frozen synapse. Uh, yeah. Like if, if you misclick the find game button, you will have a challenge in your hands like immediately. Uh, and, and then it's on. Uh, and, and there are a few things more fun than just like doing that whole Bobby Fisher thing of like you got four games going, you just like you know raising hell in all of them. Uh, that's that's a pretty cool feeling if you mm-hmm. if you get on the tear yeah, and like it's, that. And it's worth noting. I don't think we ever noted this. It's perfectly set up for asynchronous play. Yeah. You can walk away for two hours and then come back and take your turn, which does lend itself very well to many people's lives and schedules. Like if I had a kid right now or a new puppy. This would be my jam. This would be the game I was playing because I wouldn't know when I was going to get my next 20 or 30 minutes to be able to play some. Um, you you should be all over it if that's your current situation. All right. Uh, so I think that'll do it for this week and that'll do it for Frozen Synapse 2. Uh, we'll be back next week with more strategy discussion. Three Moves Ahead is produced, as always, by Michael Hermes and is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show and discuss this episode with our community at 3movesahead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3MA. Finally, 3 Moves Ahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. You can learn more at patreon.com slash 3MA. You can follow me at Rob Zachney on Twitter. Uh, John, if you want to keep up with the latest from you, where should they go? At John Bolds on Twitter. That's where I post absolutely everything. All right. And Troy... 
Where, where do I, I go? I, the Flash of Steel blog, right? That's a, a never-ending fount of content. Constantly, constantly being updated. God damn you. Yeah. I mean, my Christmas gift last year was to get a free website redesign. That's not happening until I write anything. So, uh, But you can still follow some of my thoughts at, at Troy Goodfellow on Twitter, where I link to cool things and retweet a lot of political stuff. So you're warned. Yep. Hey, if you if you hate the retweets though, you can turn off retweets and then you'll just get a kind of constant commentary on good classical history books. Yeah, I also tweet a lot about books. But it's good. It's not bad tweets about books. Not like not like Troy's other tweets. His book tweets. <laughs> yeah, Those are okay. good. Yeah. My yeah. <laughs> tweets about my tweets about New Brunswick, all bad. I mean, if 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 you're a New Brunswick fan, maybe don't follow Troy. Don't don't let him don't don't let him uh sour you on that beautiful province all right uh we'll be back next week with another episode until then for john for troy this is rob zachney saying good night <laughs>